1: Hey, welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today, we're going to do a 45-minute show on undoing the mind fuck of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm going to have a guest, Ken Anderson, who is the founder of HAMs Harm Reduction out of New York, who's going to join me in a minute. And um, just a little plug uh, about Ken. Ken wrote a book called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's the second um, edition. Um, Let's see. And so we're going to talk about that in just a second. But um, we are going to talk about why and how the stuff that's read in AA gets into your head so deeply and how to get it out i guess we don't need to explore that too deeply but we do need to know how to deprogram which i have done a serious amount of deprogramming which i think the radio i don't think i know this radio show that i've been doing for over three years over 150 shows have really really helped me i'm going to bring ken on and we're going to talk about it some more hi ken hello can you hear me i can how you doing
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Monica?
1: I am good. I'm really good. Busy, 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 and uh, but I still feel like the need to do a show, so I got so busy I could hardly do them at one point as I was finishing up the film. We still are finishing up the film, which, by the way, you're fantastic in. You say some really great <laughs> one- and two-liners that will go on down in history. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Very good thing. So, Um, you know, I think what's so great about the interview and the things that you say in the film is that you weren't really somebody who drank all the Kool-Aid and you didn't go for very long and yet you really have it down, like you really have it down, like the nonsense and the rhetoric and why is that? Well,
0: you know, it was affecting me so badly in such a short period of time. As I've told people a lot of times you know I I went through treatment I was looking for something to do in the evening that was not related to alcohol and of course in treatment it was a 12-step treatment of course and you know they said you can go to these meetings and you don't have to buy any of the garbage Uh, you know take what you like and leave the rest ha 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 you know (laughs) Uh, know, uh, so you know I figured I could go there and you know it would take up some time in the evenings I wasn't drinking at all when I started going to the meetings. Mm -hmm. And after a few months, uh, my drinking had gone up to, I drank five liters of whiskey in five days. Wow. Um, I was starting to have uh, severe withdrawal. My heart rate was very irregular. My pulse was way over 100, you know. And I knew I was in danger of a heart attack or a stroke unless I got medically detoxed. And so I checked in, I got medically detoxed uh, at County Detox in, uh, I think it was Hennepin County, maybe it was Ramsey County, in Minneapolis or St. Paul. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was sitting there in detox and saying, you know, I have to leave AA before it kills me because the messages <laughs> that I am getting.
1: Wait, can you just say that one more time? <laughs> I have
0: to leave AA before it kills me mm-hmm. because the you know, the message that you get at every meeting, they read how it works. Um, remember, we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful, but there is one who is all-powerful. That one is God. Mm-hmm. May you find him now. And mm-hmm. then they read those 12 steps. And what was the mm-hmm. first steps. We admitted mm-hmm. we were powerless. So yeah. over and over and over again, day after day, alcohol is powerful. You are powerless. <clears throat> alcohol is powerful. You are powerless. What kind of message does that put in a person's subconscious? Right, right. Maybe if somebody believes in God, if they believe that God cures diseases, which is really a bizarre concept that there's no place in science for that, Mm -hmm. maybe you can, you know, get away with that. But if you don't believe in God, and if you don't believe in God that cures diseases, if you have a logical subconscious mind, which mine is apparently very logical, it took those messages very literally and, you know, it put me totally out of control because alcohol was more powerful than I was and there wasn't anything out there that was going to rescue me.
1: Right, you know, right, right. It really...
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I we think can look at things that we really...
1: Yeah.
0: No, we can no, look no. at things I that mean, we it, really are... Powerless over. Powerless over. Mm-hmm. Like cancer. You can't mm-hmm. decide to stop cancer tumors from growing. You can decide not to drink a glass of liquor. You can decide mm-hmm. not to buy booze. You can't sit there and say, uh, tumors, are you going to stop growing now because I decided you're going to stop growing? It doesn't work that way. And, well, you know, yeah, and you can't yeah, yeah. go to a meeting. Uh, you know, this is something that you really are powerless over. But what good does it do you to go in a church basement and say, I'm powerless over my cancer, so I appeal to a higher power to cure me? It doesn't
1: work. No, no, it doesn't work, and so part of what I, I mean, I thought you were a good person to bounce this off of, because, and one of the reasons that I chose you was that people who are leaving, and there are many, and leaving in droves, from old-timers like myself to people who had, you know, I don't know, 17 years to people who had two years, and one year, and five years, and seven years, and 12 years, all over my blog, leavingAA.com, and um, is that they... They would need to deprogram, and so people wanted a show about this, and I had one, and it got canceled. Uh, but it was also they're going to your site, so you're getting a lot of people, a lot of new people. Um, I think mm-hmm. that there's maybe more activity there. There's maybe more tools up there than moderation. So I just want to. So if you're listening, you have hamsnetworkright.org is your site, and then um, mm-hmm. we yeah. have moderation.org. But I want to just say this: is that start with how does it get in so deeply? And so I've opened up Chapter 5 where we, we literally lifted out every reference to God, any religious statement, um, higher power, uh, Him when it was you know highlighted or bolded and made bigger. But if you... And I can't believe that I was ever an AA member who ever went to a big book study and read this shit and thought there was something to it. So it shows... And, and it shows how quickly and deeply it gets in. So... They read it in a strange way, I think, and people sit there and listen, and they, either they close their eyes and they bow their heads, right? And it's almost like a, mm-hmm. um, a trance kind of um, hypnotism. But here's, here's one of the statements. First of all, one of, the first one, which is a lie, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed a path. So that's not true. It should say rarely have we seen a person who has followed the path. Right, most people, yeah. and Bill Wilson was far from a you know, saint, anyways. But then it says, "Listen to this line: Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Really, like so, people." So you can't recover unless you give yourself to this AA program. You know, like the percentage rate is so bad, I've learned from doing the film, right? It's like 3 to 5%. I think it's mm-hmm. worse than that. But mm-hmm. we'll give it, let's give it 3 to 5%, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, it's not a fair statement. Um, and then it says that you're usually, it goes on to say something that makes you feel like shit about yourself. So you can't recover unless you completely give yourself to this simple program, which I've known many, especially men, who never got sponsors, never worked the steps, who stayed abstinent for years, 10 years, 15, 20 Mm -hmm. years, right? Usually, Mm -hmm. they're men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. I know I've said this before Mm -hmm. on this show, but that makes you a sociopath. Nobody is, you know, that's really, that's very, very demeaning. Um, mm-hmm. That you're not at fault. You were born that way. Fuck, you are not born that way. Like they're then they're naturally incapable. So the point I'm saying, and that why I did this program was about you've been programmed. This first paragraph in chapter five, that's read, and then especially the whole part that alcohol, which we've kept in the film, like you are in the film saying it, which is pretty awesome. Followed by a person reading that portion of chapter five in a reenactment of a meeting which is it's really a great moment i think i I love the moment and the way you say it i also love the way you say Mm -hmm. it's not white it's snowflake like and that either you're going (laughs) to do this or you're going to die like you know but you don't really need that but you're going to die if you don't take the first part of the first step you know what i mean if you don't admit your problem Mm -hmm. right and I think yep, that yep. one of the things, Ken, that people really relate to, and I certainly did, was I didn't relate to the first part of the first step when I first got there, but they placate you until they suck you in. And then as you stay sober, you play their game or you're absent or whatever the way it is, and things start to go sour, you know, they're like, well, you know, the reason, Monica or Ken, is that you, because you don't, you got to get that first part of the first step or you can't, Get any of them, and I said, "Now that's crazy." I was like 18, and I said, "Even I could see that's crazy," but you could feel them. Like it almost felt like they were twisting my brain, like because you, you it didn't make sense. And you're going, mm-hmm. "Well, wait a second. I am sober. I don't want to drink. Uh, and why do I feel like I'm worse? I'm getting worse by working your stupid program." But I didn't. You know what I mean? I think it's sad. So you get sucked in, and then you didn't get sucked in. Lucky for you. You know what I mean? But people do, mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. listen to this, and so when they leave, you know, they need these. They they need your blog. They need the chat rooms. They want other tools. That a lot of people want to drink again. That's the point of why I'm having you on, is that a lot of people want to. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are. A lot of people are successfully doing it. So let's go a little bit to when. So you went in there. You didn't believe it. Did you have to deprogram at all?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean. As I said, that, that stuff got in my head so badly that mm-hmm. um, you know I, I was totally out of control. I had mm-hmm. to constantly tell myself, I am not powerless. Alcohol is not powerful. Alcohol is powerless. I am powerful. Alcohol is powerless. I am powerful. Um, if, you, if people go online, they can search for a, a little comic strip that I drew back then. is called The Adventures of Mildew Man and uh, his uh, adventures with the 12-step programs, and it was drawing really? that stuff and writing that. Really?
1: Uh, where, where, is a that? Large, um,
0: where is that? It, what it is? What is the URL? It's org. I think it's mildew-man.org. I don't think you ever saw it, so we never okay. talked about it.
1: But no, that was okay. one
0: of the things that I did oh, mm-hmm. about 12 years ago when okay. I was deprogramming, was right. writing up all my... Uh, Reactions, You know, if you write up what's, you know, write your stuff up or go on to the Facebook group Orange Papers and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about, talk talk out your terrible experiences. You know, make mm-hmm. them, you know, express them in words. This is one of the hugest things that you can do
1: to reprogram
0: right. yourself right. from right. what happened. And, you know, I had some cult experts on my show and I said, you know, not talking about AA, but talking about the things that are more recognized as cults. Right. And they said, well, this is the way to do it. You have to talk about what happened. You have to you know, get it out of your brain and into the words and mm-hmm. out of your mouth, and then it gets the toxicity out of you. So mm-hmm. finding some place where you can write about it or talk about it is really helpful for deprogramming.
1: Mm, yeah, I think that um, I agree. And uh, the, the blogging itself, like uh, reading the words, Stinking Thinking was the, the blog that I really um, deprogrammed. I mean, I found Orange Papers first, and I read it. There was no forum mm-hmm. then, and um, I don't really recommend the forum because it's pretty trolly and it's un- unregulated. But the the, the whole blog yeah, itself... I've never been on that one. Yeah, it's, uh, the, was but the blog itself the, that the Orange Facebook. created... or the, did yeah it's amazing, and it there's a lot of you know just mm-hmm. facts and facts, but then the thinking thinking I agree with you, it was like as I would type and respond to what people would say, and people would respond to me, I was in the middle of leaving, so you know i I totally but i I had no idea that you know uh twelve years ago, okay, so yeah, um I, I agree, so for people listening. You either write it, you read it. Some people don't want it, but you know, blogging—you're pretty safe. You just create a, a, you know, a new handle. A handle is just a made-up name, an identity, mm-hmm. and you're pretty safe. And no one's gonna. And I think that leaving AA is good. Then there's recovering from recovery, is a, a good blog. Mm-hmm. Exposeaa.org is another one. And um... thinking, thinking, there's not a lot of activity anymore, but there's a lot of uh, old history there that you could read and read on why people leave, mm. and. uh... And so forth. So I'm looking on your blog um, Mm -hmm. to jump around a little bit because I think it's really grown a lot, your Hams uh, Harm Reduction for Alcohol. If anybody's out there, I'm at www.hamsnetwork.org. And uh, you can get Ken's book. But there's a lot of stuff in here. There's um, an email group. There's a chat room. There's a donate button. Um, He's got a blog talk radio show. And you're writing for Psychology Today now.
0: Oh yeah, I've had a blog on there for a, for a while now, so uh, there's some good articles on there. Uh, if you scroll down on the homepage of hamsnetwork.org, 2 you can see the articles because uh, it's about 200 or so articles on the site. So oh, wow. there's a lot to uh, wow. there's a lot to read there.
1: There's um, a lot here. Yeah, and, some and, of the, and, yeah. very very good. Yeah, there, a lot of people come back to my site to leaving AA and talk about you know what they've gotten from your site. And, uh, you know, I think that what is harm reduction, you know, and um, it, it's really, really great. I just want to read, um, harm reduction is a set of practical strategies intended to reduce the negative consequences of high-risk behaviors such as over-drinking or drug use. Harm reduction is a non-judgmental approach that attempts to meet people where they are at with their drinking and drug use Instead of demanding perfect abstinence, this pragmatic approach is supportive of anyone who wishes to minimize the harm associated with high-risk behaviors such as drinking or drug use. Harm reduction accepts that high-risk behaviors such as recreational alcohol intoxication are part of our world and works to minimize their harmful effects rather than simply ignore or condemn them. Harm reduction does not attempt to force people to change in ways which they do not choose for themselves. Harm reduction is a compassionate approach whose primary concern is the increased well-being of its constituency. Moreover, an overwhelming Mm. body of scientific evidence shows that harm reduction works. That's really great. That's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You you know what? Okay. So, and you all have a lot of a little. I haven't been on here in a while. So you have everybody here is into harm reduction, huh? So if you're out there, it's got um, some people who are counselors, some people who are uh, coaches, alternatives. Um, uh, Interesting. So it's a good resource. I eventually would love to do something like this, non-12-step help. Uh, Tell me, what do you want to talk about? What's, What's what's new, and how could someone who's listening say who just is leaving or left? What kind of uh, advice you know would you give that person
0: well one of the first things I want to talk about is the scientific research which is just absolutely essential people need to know what the science says um, because uh, we a recent study showed that there's 23 and a half million people who have recovered from an addiction that mm-hmm. study was done by DrugFree.org in conjunction with OAFAS, which is the New York State uh, Addiction Agency. So it's, it's no fly-by-night, and it's no amateur. I mean, this is New York State government with DrugFree.org. They're the guys that used to be, you know, you, this is your brain on drugs. Um, eh, right, right. And, these came, and they said 23.5 million people are in recovery from an addiction and you know, how many people did it with AA uh, mm-hmm. in the U.S? This is just the U.S. now. a million and a half in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So about 90 percent of people did it on their own without going to AA. Mm-hmm. Um, you look again at the, the NISARC study, the National Epidemiological Survey of Alcohol-related Conditions. They just uh, recently published the lifetime recovery re- rates, lifetime remission rates for addiction. Um, And it's 90% of people overcome an addiction in their lifetime. So uh, the vast majority of people do it without Alcoholics Anonymous. When you compare people working on their own with the people that go to AA, do the people that go to AA do any better? There's no evidence really that they do any better. Uh, The Cochrane Review is the go-to for evidence-based medicine uh, you mm. can look them up online. Uh, they did a review a few years ago of the effectiveness of Alcoholics Anonymous. They found uh, no evidence of effectiveness. So it's no better than doing it on your own. So, And the whole thing is people go into hospitals, into inpatient programs. They go into these rehabs, and they think they're dealing with professionals there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're getting told that uh, you're going to die of your addiction unless you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, unless you go to twelve step meetings. You're one hundred it's one hundred percent fatal addiction and no one has ever quit an addiction on their own in their life. They have to go to twelve step groups, which is you know, diametrically opposed to what the science tells us. The science tells right. us that people quit addictions all the time. What's the single hardest addiction to quit? It's cigarette. It's not heroin, it's cigarettes. How right. many people do you know that quit? Cigarettes without going to a twelve-step meeting, but well, mm. a twelve-step meeting is probably the worst place to go to if you want to quit cigarettes because everybody there's smoking. Right, right, know. right, right. So the I evidence mean, is totally yeah, yeah tells us that it, you don't need it.
1: No, go no, ahead, no, cigarette. and I, I also think that um, there's a couple things going on. Um, there's an article I think where I, I kind of shared it everywhere because uh, Recovering from Recovery put it up. So, uh, what's his name here? This guy wrote an article. Jamie uh, Wenland um, wrote this thing, Bain's Capital Grip on Addiction, The Profit Behind 12-Step Treatment. And it is a really, really great article about how, like most of them, here we go. According to Indeed.com, the median salary of a counselor with an associate's degree, that means an A two-year degree, is $34,000. Um, with a comparison of $96,000 for a Ph.D. level practitioner, a psychiatrist would cost around $200,000. Um, it talks about how very few, like in California, I found this in my research for the film, in California and Pennsylvania there is no background check done for a, um, a counselor who works in rehab. But what I find to be really nuts is, okay, so I've like, talked to pilots and different people. One person that I've spoken to in the past week Got addicted to opiates um, because of um, shingles, and um, as a result of that, was um, just went to get off the opiates because normal people are not like maybe aware that there's really and know these things could be really addictive. Like say I was really aware of it because I was sober in AA for so long. You know what I mean? So if somebody gave me, I mean I didn't like Mm -hmm. that stuff anyway. It's not my thing. All right, so I would take them as needed and Mm -hmm. then throw the rest away. But he got addicted and um, then just was, like, innocent and said, oh, you know, I wanna, I've gotten addicted to these because, uh, you know, I did. They gave me these for the pain of shingles, and they put him in a rehab. And, and part of what he was supposed to do was also not drink alcohol at all. So in, so now they're tra- treating him like, oh, you're an addict, like you have a spiritual malady. Wait, you know, like, and you can't drink either. Like, no recreational drugs or drinking. And someone should go, wait a minute, I don't use recreational drugs. And I am a moderate drinker. Like, the two don't, like, go together. And I, I think mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm really exposing, or it's, it's not even enough in my film because it, this information came to me only a couple of min- months before I began to edit, Ken. But I really think that your your approach and your blog and your book or you know are there even are there pamphlets for hams like do you have pamphlets like smart has that i could bring to court with me when uh, i go talk to some judges
0: we have a trifold um i'm doing it right now to uh, update it uh, mm-hmm. so uh... you should uh... check back with me uh... in a bit and see the updated one but we do have the old one okay. um, that we hand yeah. out
1: yeah, I mean I just think it's it you know it's bizarre. Like I remember sitting in meetings in NA meetings years ago. Uh, I don't even know why I was in I was in an NA, NA meeting because there were younger people in there and I would want to talk about pot and you couldn't even talk about. And I and I, I don't even know why I was talking about pot because I had given it up on my own and I didn't want to smoke it. So why was I talking about pot? You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. the whole paradigm is so nuts and it's so antiquated but it's really, really infested, as you probably know, everywhere in our culture. The pilot, mm-hmm. do you know about the the pal deep, the pilot and, and the doctor. You know, doctor coercion is gets called extortion. I mean, it's really with AA. Do you know how bad it is? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. somewhat familiar with that. Probably not as much in depth as you are, but yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, the material on that.
1: It's run by steppers. I mean, the ASAM is a bunch of steppers. That's not, like, really addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, the American Society of Addicted Medicine, I know, was created by Ruth Fox, who was, if not a stepper, a stepper lover like George Valiant is. And I don't know, you know, what that's all about. But, you know, I don't think it's... The FAA is totally infested, if not run by old-timer. Like it's hmm. really bad, and it needs to stop. And the, and I set, I sat in court for the Colorado case and hear a judge telling a guy that he needs to, to go to his his NAs. What what are what are NAs? You got to go to N A. It's an N A meeting. And you know uh, why are they calling it NAs now? It's because people know when you say an N A meeting, it's not really. How can my government send me to a religious uh, lay support group? I mean, I keep I feel like I'm beating a dead horse and repeating myself over and over again, because, I mean, once you sit in court and you, and you watch and hear a judge tell a man who just told you that he has a problem with a faith-based program, and the judge gets arrogant and, and kind of, like, haughty, almost like, wow, are you an AA? Like, I, I felt like <laughs> saying, I thought to myself, is this judge in Alcoholics Anonymous? How, he shouldn't be able to be handling these cases because he's not fair. That's a conflict of interest. That.
0: Oh, uh, that reminds me of a story uh, in uh, that took place in Minnesota, and I knew this woman uh, because we were going to the same alternative group. It was actually a smart group,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was going to the smart group, and so was she, and um, she was about 65 years old. She had her first uh, DUI at mm-hmm. the age 65, mm-hmm. um, And, you know, it was just stupid. You know, drank a couple beers and, you know, was driving and didn't really Mm -hmm. think. And, you know, had no long history of doing this and, you know, never planned to do it again. But, you know, she got this judge who, well, first of all, he was wearing an AA medallion around his neck in court, uh, you know, on the bench, outside his his robes. Jesus. And uh, he told her uh, that... If if she continued to go to the SMART meeting, not just that she had to go to AA, he said, if you go to that SMART meeting one more time, I will put you in jail. Wow. What did she say? She said, she reported back to us, I guess she called up the guy in charge, because she said, um... I'm just going to do what the judge says. She was from New Zealand, by the way, so she was not an American citizen. Really upsetting. And she said, really "I don't need upsetting. to get deported. I don't need to get in trouble. I'll go to these stupid meetings. I, I won't come back to smart, and uh, you know, once this uh, probation thing is up, I will be done with this forever. I've never been a heavy drinker. It was stupid to drink two beers and get in the car, but you know, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> they don't have any lifetime history of that. But yeah, you know, I'll just do what he says and get it over with.
1: Okay, how long ago was
0: that? Oh, that was about uh, that was about twelve years ago. So that was a while ago. But you know, in uh, Minnesota, land of ten thousand treatment centers, um, they love the twelve steps. They've never had a court case in that district. Uh, you know about the religious nature of the twelve steps. That's not in the ninth district. It's not. They've never had a court case. Uh, that no, no, one sued, no one has sued. No one has. No one has
1: been that person to sue them.
0: No, no, not in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, it, well, Next it's in the Wisconsin, mothership, yes. right? The, mo- the mothership place of the mm-hmm. all. So heres is there a place, because I was talking to Lance Doty's, and um, he needed a list of uh, all the states, because we know it's the Ninth Circuit Court. We know that in the Second Circuit Court, mm-hmm. um, but it's 25 states. Do you know, is there a website that has the states listed, or do I have to do more research?
0: It's Mark has a total, uh, complete listing Um uh, the HAM site has a listing, too, but I think ours got a little out of date. Uh, but the SMART okay. site is actually more detailed, and they have a page there, and it links to uh, it links to the court documents of each individual case. And okay. I know this is very up to date. Right, right,
1: right, right. Wow, I mean, you know, that's it, the part that I, I think I was sitting with a journalist, and she was saying how you're going to need a class action lawsuit, and, you know, Monica can't go to every judge, but I did learn by sitting in court I did go up to the bailiff. I followed the guy out. I have a piece of literature for DUI people a Trifold that I created, and I'm going to update it and I said, "Look, you know I have a solution, an alternative for this man who has a problem with this. Can I speak to the judge you know when he's not sitting behind the the bench and he said, "No, you need to talk to the supervising judge, which makes it better because there is a supervising judge at every courthouse so I'm gonna mm-hmm. go, you know. I'm gonna go to one when I finish. Finish when the film is like boom, and I've been. It's getting sent out to film festivals, and it's getting, you know, which distribution when it's, you know, really, really done. We're just doing some last minute touches. That I'm gonna go that route, and but it would be. I think we want to be ready with each of the, the alternatives, you know. And you're definitely a really, really one that is a better fit. You are. Ham ham harm reduction and moderation, although there are not a lot of meetings, is a better fit for people for the first time getting into trouble. But see, the thing is, Ken, Mm -hmm. they don't want to stop the gravy train. Are there some judges and lawyers who would like a solution? Yeah, but there's some that don't. There's people who Mm are making a lot of money. There's a lot of lawyers, DUI lawyers making a lot of money. And actually the city is making a lot of money from the tickets, and the police department is getting some of that money. When you get a DUI ticket and you have to pay the fee, and it's in the billion dollars, so they don't mm-hmm, fucking mm-hmm. they don't they don't. The, I mean, the, the part that you know, Carlo Broda's father said to me was, "It's all about money." Uh, a year ago, I I felt he was saying the truth, but I didn't understand how everything connected. But and now I know, and there's many things there. There have
0: there have been some improvements. I know that uh, New York State is using an evidence, the DUI diversion program now for uh, DUI offenders. They're not sending them uh, to 12-step meetings. They, they have a program. I looked this up a couple of years ago. Um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's a decent-looking program. You know, it's more cognitive really? behavioral-based
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's more science-based. But, you know, a lot of states don't do that.
1: But I heard that after that, they still tell everybody to go to A. Like, you know, I, I um, looked it up when I was there interviewing you guys, and it looked to me like it was a little shade. Maybe not. I mean, that would be a good, uh, New York, I think it, you could... you like to think that it was more forward-thinking, and there are a lot of non-12-step, you know, the Center for Motivation and Change. You are there. Stanton Peel is there. You know, there are a lot of mm-hmm. people that are sane, but... Mm-hmm. I'm in I'm in a state that's not. It's like uh these people are really nuts and um but you know what, that's good. So let's I feel like I got well off my subject, but it's okay. We were going with the flow here. But if you're out there and you've left and you're thinking about let's let's go to a, a scenario like this. Um first of all I'm talking to Ken Anderson and uh, Ken Anderson is the founder of Hams Harm Reduction and uh you wanna just give a little you know, uh any kind of blurb about it or whatever you want to say about what you've done and what you've created. Mm -hmm.
0: Hams is a free of charge lay-led support group for people who want to make any positive change in their drinking habits from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. It doesn't cost anything. Our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available from Amazon. You can get the information off our website, to where uh, to buy it. I mean, you buy it from Amazon. There's a link there. And the, the paperback is $17. The Kindle Edition is $8. It's a big workbook size. It's almost 300 pages long, so it's definitely, uh, on the reasonable side, it's cheaper than most of the big publishers do for the same size book. So. Very good. We're, Very good. Or 501c3, hmm.
1: Take donations. Uh, so somebody... Is leaving AA, and I mean, I have so many different stories. Uh, They are on, uh, maybe abstinent for five years or seven years. Uh, They drank heavy, and uh, they've been abstinent. They're very unhappy with AA for many different reasons. But they're actually afraid and still believe that something will happen to them like is preached in AA. And so, what would you tell that person? They want to moderate again. They want to. Some people want
0: to moderate. Some people want to continue to abstain. Um, You know, that's not the biggest hurdle. That's not the first hurdle. The first hurdle, AA has told you over and over and over again, if you leave our meetings, you will die. And you have to stop (laughs) believing that. Because, you know, every cult says that if you leave our group, you will die. Jim Jones said, if you leave the people's temple, God will give you cancer. You will die. You know, AA says if you leave our group, you will die. You will not die if you leave AA. No, you don't have to drink if you leave AA. You can you can leave AA and not drink. AA didn't stop you from drinking in the first place. You stopped yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the power. The first thing you have to do is work those 12 steps backwards and start with number one, uh, I am powerful. AA is powerless. Uh, the alcohol is powerless. I am powerful. I have, the, uh, I have the strength inside of me to not drink if I don't want to drink or if I want to do controlled drinking and find that is a good option for me. I have the strength to do that too. You know, some people don't want to control the substance. Some people find it's too difficult.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I quit smoking about five years ago, Cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to do controlled cigarette smoking. I don't want to try and smoke one cigarette a day. It right. would be a, really a lot of effort with very little payoff. No, I prefer to abstain from cigarettes. I have a cigar now and then. Yesterday I had the first cigar in two years. And, you know, it was funny. I was uh, Yesterday I was talking with Stan Peel and uh, Juliet Abram. Um, mm-hmm. who, you, know, you know both of those. Right, and we right. were in our church garden, and, you know, I was having my first cigar in almost two years because I've been too busy to smoke and it. I, you know, and Julia said, "Well, is this a relapse?" And I said, "No, because I was not abstaining. I was just too busy to smoke."
1: hmm hmm
0: but, yeah, but I like mm-hmm. I like uh, yeah, the I have one of not counting.
1: I'm sorry. Good.
0: ahead. hmm I like the idea of not.
1: Oh. Who's gonna go first? Go ahead.
0: Okay, but you know, I, I'm abstaining from cigarettes. Um, but I'm not abstaining from nicotine entirely. So I just have a cigar on that. Now you go ahead.
1: Yeah, just the the time thing. I think it's um, very detrimental. And I think uh, the one thing I like about SMART, and I want to say to people that if they wanted to go there, it's a very good program and there are more meetings and nobody cares. Nobody labels themselves in any of these alternatives and that they don't care uh, whether you drink or not when you're not there. Nobody goes, what are you drinking? How much time do you have? You have 30 days. They don't give chips. They don't talk about time and they call it a lapse, not a relapse, and they really have a sane attitude about it. So I think that I kinda wish I mean I went there even when I was leaving AA to just check all these alternatives out that it you know, it, it, it had sort of a not a moderation approach, but that they that it wasn't an abstinence based program because I think that we really need to head in a non abstinence based world that it's, it's not helpful, and it's still, I don't want to say anything negative about it, because there's nothing negative about it, that's that's all, I, I don't think there is, but um, I do think that the time, uh, what they do to people in AA, like I knew a woman after five years, she drank a bottle of wine, and they were like, you relapsed, you have to start all over, like she had one bottle of wine, and she woke up <laughs> in the morning, she didn't want to drink again, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? hmm mm-hmm. But, you know, getting yeah, back smart to smart. what you said you, earlier, Ken, I just want to follow through with mm-hmm. that idea that when I asked you what's the first thing to do about deprogramming, and you said that you have to not believe that you're going to die, okay? Which I think is really important. You're not going to believe that. Well, what's the next thing after that?
0: Well, as I said, I mean, it's, it's the steps. The steps are the whole problem. And, you know, they always tell you where uh, – when you're, out, when you're an outsider, oh, it's all optional. Take what you like and leave the rest. The steps are mere suggestions. And then they, as soon as you get inside, you get what Bill said. Uh, anyone who fails to work these 12 steps surely signs their own death warrant. So yeah. nothing is optional. You know, as right. long as you're outside, oh, we're so nice. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. As soon as you get it, you'll die if you don't do it. It's like suggesting you put on a parachute before you jump out of a plane. Uh, you have to, you know, undo these steps. Look at the steps, you know. Cause, uh, and a lot of the professionals try to hook you in. They try to re- reinterpret the steps. They say, um, step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And then they'll say, well, that only means you're powerless after the first drink. As long as you don't take the first drink, you're not powerless. Because mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of professionals say that. And I said, Well, wait a minute, that's a one-step program because if you don't take the first drink and you're never powerless, then you don't need AA. You don't need any of the other 11 steps. You don't need a damn thing. If that's all you have to do is not take the first drink, you cannot take the first drink. Actually, that's what a hell of a lot of people do that have alcohol addiction is they say to themselves, I'm not going to take the first drink. I'm done. I'm not drinking anymore. And -hmm. they stop. It's a one-step program, and it works very well for many people. Mm hmm and you don't need all that other crap. And, you know, but you know, to tell people, oh, it means you're only powerless after you take the first drink, but then make them say over and over again, I admit I am powerless. We admitted we were powerless. We admitted we were powerless. Say that over and over and over again. You totally internalize that, and that becomes your attitude towards everything. And it is utterly damning, and you have to change that. Turn that around. I am powerful. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is yeah. powerless. AA is powerless. It all mm-hmm. is a lot of crap, and you know. Step two, I don't need a higher power. I'm not insane, you know, because we we believe that I came to believe that higher power could start the insanity. Well, drinking too much doesn't mean you're insane, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Take, mm-hmm. Taking pain know. pills for pain and getting hurt by accident that doesn't make you a insane. Right. You're not insane. Right. You have a bad habit. You have a bad habit. It's a, it's it's a learned thing. It's Pavlovian conditioning. And the way you decondition, the way to extinguish the behavior is to stop doing it. So, you know, you either stop it or, you know, lots of people, they like to stop for a while and then come back and moderate their drinking. And lots of people treat with that. Plenty of other people say, no, I don't need alcohol anymore. I'm done with it because it's not necessary. You don't have to drink right. it to live.
1: Right. know, yeah, you can quit. So right. They're both good options. It, it's well, to the there's individual. a lot of Muslims oh. who never oh. drink. I mean, there's millions and millions of Muslims who never drink, who don't need to be patted mm-hmm. on the back because they have, you know, uh, 24 years of sobriety like our drugs are. It's like, why are we promoting this, this? Why is this guy doing this? I mean, I don't even want to get started with that. It makes me so mad. But, I mean, I think that um, we only have two and a half minutes left, Ken. Um, mm-hmm. So we're saying you have a show. When is your show on? Uh, show. My
0: show is on at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursdays. I thought we were going to have one tonight, but uh, my guy canceled on uh, me at the last minute. But well, we do have one next week. Okay. So, uh, yeah. so
1: you're Thursday at 8 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time. I'm normally Tuesday at 4 uh, Pacific Standard, but I've been all over the place lately. And um, like we said, we have there's a lot of people out there. There's Ham's Harm Reduction. There is Smart Recovery. Um, there's moderation.org um for like SOS there's LifeRing and then there's the great wonderful books and there's lots of uh, blogs and lots of resources and I think the world is really, really growing with um, lots of people talking out about it and I think it's going to just escalate and get better I want to thank you, Ken Anderson again for joining me on uh, my show, and I hope we helped somebody with some ideas of how to deprogram. Oh, I'm going to say this. One other really important thing is change your your wording and change the language. Uh, I had to stop using, um, I chose to stop using words like Mm sober, and um, I just did. And I uh, finally got to a place, the years now, where some things don't bother me, but the language, is mm-hmm. there's a weird, cultish language in AA, and I think it helps to stop using that. And we're not different. We're not special. We're not, I mean, we are special, but you know what I mean? We're not, um, it's, oh, it's them. You know how we are. These people, they oh, you know how we are. We're like, we're different. I was like, what am I, like, from other? planet? But anyway. Uh, well, you, <laughs> can, you can say, you can say,
0: I am not an alcoholic because there's no such thing as an alcoholic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's, it's it's a stupid word, and I can't believe people are still using it. From something was created in 1975, it's it really needs to it be either be updated or throw it away. Like um, it's a damaging and an unsafe place. But again, I will have to close out now. Thank you, Ken I'm Monica Richardson for Blog Talk Radio. We're going to be on next week with uh, a show with some pilots. And just know that uh, you're not alone. There's a lot of us that. Uh, have left and are successful like Ken has. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks so much, Ken. I'll talk to you again. All right. right. Good night, everybody, and see you next week. Bye-bye.